Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today, uh, I want to speak to you from the subject of your words. And I believe as I speak, the Holy Spirit's going to speak, and together we're going to grow deeper in the Word of God. So will you turn with me to the book of Isaiah? Famous chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, and he sees God in this chapter. He has a revelation of who God is, an experience of God. And in verse 5, Isaiah says this, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. I want to read one more verse to you from the book of James, famous portion of scripture that concerns our mouths. James chapter 3, verse 5 says this, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Today I want to talk to you about the words that you speak. My thought for this week, is that the people of God must have mouths that are dedicated, wholly dedicated to truth and to righteousness. That the people of God must have words that are aligned with the word of God. See, the problem is an unwatched tongue can cause a crisis. An unwatched, unaligned, unrighteous tongue can cause a crisis. Hey, let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now, will you come? Will you teach us? Not just how to believe, not just how to think, but also how to speak. Right now, we open our hearts and our minds to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We find in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is taken up to heaven. He has an experience with God, a revelation of God. He sees God seated on the throne. He says his train fills the whole temple, and, and he sees this this picture of biblical proportions of a holy God in his righteous state, ruling and reigning over eternity. What I find so interesting is that from this experience, Isaiah gets a revelation. And the revelation, this conviction that he gets from God's glory, is a conviction of how he speaks. When he sees God in all his glory, he gets convicted about how he talks, about the words that he uses, about the quality of his language. Don't you find that strange? Isaiah says this, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. God's glory gives him a revelation of the power of his own words. See, he sees it in the negative. When he sees God's goodness, God's glory, God's righteousness, he realizes that everything that comes from his mouth is profane. It's unclean. It's unworthy. But in this, I see first off that his words 
matter. When he sees a righteous God, he realizes, uh-oh, I have been using my words wrong. I have allowed them to slip into uncleanliness. I've allowed them to slip into the profane. God's glory gives him a revelation of the importance of his own words. Proverbs says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Your tongue, your words are powerful. They are mighty. They are strong. They will, they will create the reality around you in which you will live. It will be the fruit from which you eat. And if it's negative and bitter and sour and gross, that is going to be what you end up ingesting. But if your words are sweet and if they are wise and if they are filled with God's glory and God's word, so those words will become sweet and it will be what you ingest. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. When Isaiah sees God's power, he realizes that he's been misusing the power of his own words. You know, we see examples throughout history of times when words held great weight. We see in World War II when Germany was literally going throughout Europe, Poland and France had fallen, it looked like England was next, and it wasn't looking good for England at all. They had a navy, but that's pretty much it. It seemed at that moment that the situation was hopeless. It almost looked like it was um, a foregone conclusion that Germany was going to conquer Britain. It had more firepower, it had more manpower, it had a bigger military, it had uh, a greater GDP. In almost every way, Britain was at a great disadvantage, and of course they had uh, 300,000 people trapped at Dunkirk right at the beginning of the war. But what's interesting about this is Britain, though it was in a desperate state, had a leader that would speak, I would say, prophetically. Churchill was the prime minister at this time, and he was an incredible writer, an incredible orator. He, he had a grasp of the English language. And so what he would do is he would come on uh, the BBC and broadcast, and he would write letters and and, and do interviews, and he would speak to the nation, and he would speak strength. He would speak stability. He would speak hope. Even though the reality was hopeless, he wouldn't speak out of that reality. He would speak over that reality. And so he would begin to inspire, and he would empower, and he would invigorate, and he would stabilize and bring steadfastness to the people, all without bombs, all without money, this moment, all without allies, yet just with the power of his words. And as these broadcasts would go out when he would address Parliament, people in America would hear these words. People in Germany and France would hear these words. And all of the sudden, it seemed like the, the ground was shifting. What seemed inevitable at the beginning, Germany conquering, now it didn't seem like it was so much a foregone conclusion. The more Churchill spoke, the more people believed. The more people that believed, the greater the chance there was of victory. And that was his word, victory at all costs. Victory, victory, victory. He was shouting victory when they were losing. You might say, well, that seems foolish. It's not foolish. It's filled with faith. What was he doing? He was using the power of his words effectively. He was deploying them strategically. He was not allowing the circumstances around him to dictate what words came out of him. He spoke from a, a place of faith and a place of leadership. It's an example 
for all those that are leaders of their own lives, leaders of their own homes, leaders of communities to follow. Despite what is going on in circumstances around you, words can come out from within you that can supersede that situation, can begin to shift it, turn it. I'm not saying to deny reality. I'm saying to not speak from reality, but instead speak to reality. When Isaiah saw God's glory, he realized, I have been misusing my words. When he saw God's might, he realized that my words are unclean, they're foolish, they're ridiculous. From that, I believe that you and I can learn a great lesson. When we get close to God, our words become greater. When we speak out of faith, foolishness has to drop to the side. Like Churchill, we can speak great realities into difficult situations. Famous quote from Edward Bulwer Lytton says, the pen is mightier than the sword. You're able to write, communicate things that are more powerful than the circumstances that would come against you. So today I would simply encourage you in this, I would encourage you to speak a greater reality in your life. Speak a greater reality over your home, greater reality over your marriage, maybe even over your mind. Speak a greater reality than your current one. It's not that you're denying reality by doing this. It's that you're infusing reality with faith, with courage, with conviction, with truth. I know so many times we have the temptation to speak from circumstances instead of rather over circumstances. And, and, and right now with the world being in a shaken place, we might be tempted to speak out of a negative place. We would be tempted to even allow our speech to just flow into that rhythm. Same phrase like, you know, we're going to hell in a handbasket. Or maybe you're saying things like, oh, I could never do this. We, we shouldn't do that. We're, 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 we, we won't be able to go there. Maybe you're, you're, the words you use to describe those around you consistently are words like idiots and morons. Not that that might not be true. But what I'm saying is there are greater ways to speak. And I, I think if you would hear the Holy Spirit speak to you, he would challenge that lesser way, unclean way of speaking. Every time you speak negative, every time you speak faithless, every time you speak um, angry, you're not speaking from the power of God Almighty. I know that's our temptation, but instead... I would encourage you to speak with courage. Instead of saying how difficult, horrible culture, society is, courage would say God's going to show up. I don't know what's happening, but I'm excited to see what God's going to do. I know God's not going to abandon us because he's never abandoned anyone before. God's going to show up. Hey, even if you don't feel it, speak it. You shouldn't speak from your feelings. You should speak from faith. God's going to show up. God's going to help me. God is my employer. God is going to help me find a good job. God is going to help me get a good promotion. God is going to give me an idea. God can fix my marriage. God is going to show up. What's that? That's speaking courage. Sometimes you have to speak courage into yourself. Sometimes you have to direct yourself. Remember when David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's speaking to his soul. This is what you should do. You should begin to bless God. Speak courage. Instead of saying, I could never, I won't, I can't, I don't want to, I don't feel... Speak with uh, conviction. 
Speak with courage, speak with conviction. Conviction says, I will, I can, I must. Conviction draws lines. Conviction is informed. Conviction is strong. Hear me right now. We need men and women that speak with conviction. Conviction is unafraid of being canceled. Now, conviction isn't brash. Conviction isn't angry. Conviction is stable. Conviction is holy. Conviction is well-informed. Conviction is speaking your values. Right now, we need Christians that will speak with courage and will speak their convictions. Will speak their convictions. Give voice. Give life. Give power. Give strength to their convictions. Because right now, all you're hearing is negative and down. And you might even be tempted to just join the chorus. Join the chorus of we can't, we won't, we're not. But if you would begin to speak out, I believe you'll find more people will agree with you. More people will say, I needed that than you could possibly imagine. Courage and conviction. Speak the truth. Speak the truth of God over the fallen nature of people. Yeah, I get it. They're all idiots. They're all morons. But when you speak that way, you get down into the dirt and the dust of those words. In fact, if you would if you would quiet your soul, you maybe hear the Holy Spirit say, that may be true, but that's not how I speak. So I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm saying there's a greater way. If you have something negative to say about someone, you don't have to say it. Instead, you can focus from a God perspective, speak from a God perspective. You could speak the positive over those that are leading, the positive over the church, the positive about your family. Again, I'm not saying to speak positive just because. I'm saying it because your words are so powerful that when Isaiah sees God on his throne, he has a realization that I got to change how I talk. Right now, I pray that you don't speak from circumstances. I pray you speak from the throne of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse. That doesn't mean to deny reality. No, I'm speaking. I'm speaking to overcome reality with God's greater reality and let it come from your lips. Isaiah realizes how mighty God is, how broken he is. And then he realizes how broken the culture around him is. He says, not only am I unclean, I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. And he has this realization, I talk how they talk. He has this, this moment where he realizes that the culture around him has, uh, has normalized unchristlike conversation from him, within him. He speaks on the spectrum from the foolish to the profane because culture has normalized ungodly conversation. And he's saying, I, I, not only am I unclean, we're all like this. We're stuck speaking in this negative, fallen state. And, and it's just become normal. And I, I think right now that's, that's where culture is at. It, it, is, it is a normalized way to speak, which is filled with curses and, and, and filled with unchristlike way to communicate, and, and, and it's just leaked into the church. It's just gotten into us, and we just think, well, hey, we all talk like this, but when you see God, you realize, uh-oh, I've been talking wrong. In fact, we've all been talking wrong because I have a revelation of God's goodness and God's presence, so I can't speak 
from those around me. I have to speak from the truth of the spirit within me. Do you know that you, your voice is unique? Everyone has unique voice patterns. In fact, your voice is so unique, it can be used as an ID. Your voice can be used to identify you, much like a fingerprint. fingerprint. It's unique to who you are world over, which is just amazing if we're speaking in, in terms of design, how original you are. But your voice, your pattern is unique. Your inflection, your emotive mood, your clarity, the rhythm that you speak, the words that you choose, you, 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 have, you have an ID, a voice pattern attached to your tongue. But do you know, not only do you have a voice pattern, many people have word patterns, phrases that you repeat over and over, things that you say about yourself and others. Yeah, your, your, your voice patterns, they're, they're, they're given you by birth, and, and a lot of that your voice is, is determined by your body and the way it's designed and built and, and certainly the way you grew up. But your word patterns, your word patterns you receive from those around you. You receive from your parents, school that you grew up in, nation you were born in, the, the, the choice, choices of words and, and phrases and accents. All of that came from the culture around you. I wonder... How much of what you say isn't what you believe, but simply a culmination of what has been said around you? I wonder how much of what you say has been formed by others. Because that's where word patterns originate. Many of our word patterns have originated from our parents, whether they were positive or negative. Some of our word patterns originate from news. And if you listen to 24-7 news, you're going to start sounding like 24-7 news. Some of your word patterns come from your workplace. Some of your word patterns come from something you heard a long time ago, but now is in your mind and comes out of your mouth. Mind, mouth, mind, mouth. And it becomes a cycle. See, when you get in the presence of God, one of the things that God exposes is your ungodly speech patterns. You don't even notice that you have them. You don't even notice that you say that. You don't know where you got it from until you get in the presence of God. Then you say, well, why did I just say that? When you get in the presence of God, you realize, well, where's that coming from? It's like you don't realize that you have an accent until you travel. And then you realize, oh man, I've got an accent. I thought I was normal and everyone else talked differently. But when you travel, you realize, no, I got an accent too. It's like that when you get in the presence of God. All of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, there's a pattern to my words. My parents were negative, so I'm negative. My coworkers talk a bunch of nonsense, so I talk nonsense. I listen to the news and it's filled with fear, so I talk all filled with fear. Your words have a pattern. But hear me, the presence of God can interrupt that pattern, can break that pattern, and it can introduce a new, greater faith-filled pattern on how to speak. But you have to get into God's words. Let those words get into your words. That you will begin to speak with faith, courage, conviction, and truth. But it comes from the word. It comes from worship. It comes from around being, it comes from being around godly people. You ever notice 
That if you hang out with someone too much, you start laughing like them or talking like them or having reactions like them. We're mimics. If you get around godly people, if you get around God's presence, you begin to mimic Christ's likeness. Why does this matter? Because your words are very powerful. They're powerful to create the reality of your mind and your home and your family. In fact, if you were to be taken up to heaven right now like Isaiah, one of the things that you would realize is I've been talking wrong. I've been talking like everybody else. But if you were to get into God's presence, the conviction would come. I need to change how I speak to align with the throne of God. You need to shift what you say to sound like the Spirit. You might say, well, well, how do I do that? Got good news. The Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit will give you a little tap when you say something that doesn't sound like him. He'll give you a little conviction when you use emotion that does not originate from him. When you use words that are against him, the Holy Spirit will convict you. And he convicts you because your words matter. They matter to him, to you, to those around you. And, and if you allow him, he will guide you and refine you. See, it doesn't stop there when Isaiah is in the place of brokenness, realizing that his words are unrighteous and the words of all the people around him are unrighteous as well. It doesn't, doesn't end there. But the Bible says that an angel goes and takes a burning coal from the altar of God and he touches it to the lips of Isaiah. And in that moment, the Bible says his guilt is taken away. His sin is atoned for. What am I saying? I'm saying that a profane mouth must be refined by God's presence. That a mouth that's unrighteous can be refined, changed, touched, redirected by God's presence. James tells us that the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Don't you think it's interesting? Isaiah wants to be used by God, is standing before the throne of God, and what touches his tongue but fire. Later, James writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that your tongue is on fire. One fire refines. The other fire causes destruction. The reality is this. You as a Christian, you have a choice. Your words can be refined by God's fire or they can create fires in your life. They can be refined by God's presence or they can remove God's presence from your life. Your words can be touched by heaven or your words can bring hell. You can either be like Isaiah or the man that James is speaking about that has an untamed, unwatched, unrefined tongue. I pray we as Christians in this hour where our words matter, we come closer to the word of God, closer to the spirit of God, and that we allow him to refine our words. We allow him to change our word patterns, that we speak in alignment with God's righteousness. So three areas I believe that God wants to refine how you speak. The first area is that he would refine what you speak. You know, many times we'll even say when we're talking, I shouldn't be saying this, but we'll 
verbalize that we're going to say something unrefined. We'll say it out loud. I shouldn't be saying, I shouldn't be telling you. I shouldn't, I shouldn't put it this way. I shouldn't. Hey, if you ever say that phrase out loud, don't say it. I shouldn't be saying this, then don't. I shouldn't tell you this, then don't. Why? Allow the Holy Spirit to refine you even in that moment. Even in that moment. Sometimes we verbalize that because we're, we're, we're saying out loud what our spirit's trying to really say. Don't, don't say that. Refine what you speak. Be vigilant. Watch what you speak. Refine what you speak. Gossip. Foolishness. Don't speak words that are in agreement with antichrist ideology. Don't use the world's words. Don't use their patterns. Don't argue on their, on their field. Don't be consumed with their stuff or the stuff of others. Hear me. That's unrefined speak. That's an unwatched tongue. That's the tongue that sets your life on fire. The second area that if you allow the Holy Spirit to refine you, he will refine you in this area. Refine when you speak. The Holy Spirit wants to refine not just what you say, but when you say what you say. Listen, this is wisdom. Wisdom not only determines the right thing to say, but wisdom also determines the right timing to say that thing. Sometimes you'll have some encouragement or correction. Sometimes you'll have the right phrase that someone needs to hear or whatever, but it's not the right time. The problem is many of us, because we have no control of our tongue, we'll say it even though we know now's not the time. In fact, the Holy Spirit will even let us know now's not the time. It's not that you said the wrong thing. It's just that you didn't have the self-control or the self-discipline to allow the time that there needed to be. You say one thing, you don't say it subtly. You pound it into somebody. And it's just not wise. Hear me, we're not just going to watch what we say. We're going to speak with wisdom. Allow the Holy Spirit to determine when we speak things, the proper context we speak them in, and the right timing so that the Lord can really use us. I really think that this is the area that most Christians need to work on. Because many times we don't say the wrong things, but we say the right things at the wrong time. The third area that the Holy Spirit will refine our mouths in, if we allow them, is how we speak. How we speak. God cares about how you speak. We want to speak the truth, but it has to be in love. That's how you speak. I pray that you speak not driven by anger, not driven with disapproval. I, I, I pray when you speak, it's not interrupted by a bunch of curses. I pray when you speak, it's not drowned in a bunch of disappointment. I pray when you speak that it's uplifting, that it's encouraging. Everybody wants to be around someone that encourages them. I pray when you speak, that has got lightness to it. When you speak, there's a touch of love in it. When you speak, there's joy that flows out of it. When you speak, that it's words that are of the right subject at the right time, delivered in the right way. 
Again, some of this has to do with self-discipline, sure. But most of this will flow from a life that's close to the Spirit of God. He will teach you how to refine your words. And hear me, if you can refine your words, you can redeem your reality. I hope that you allow your words to begin to mimic Christ, not mimic the world. And by doing so, you begin to stand out from the world, different, set apart, that the world might begin to look to you like a Churchill. And you might say, well, I'm not leading a country, but you are leading a home. You are leading yourself. May others look to you for wisdom and guidance, the right thing at the right time, because it's needed right now. In this society, it's just clear. We're people of unclean lips, and we dwell amongst people of unclean lips, but the Holy Spirit will come, and he will redefine you. I want to say this, and I'll close right now in a moment. I want you to know you have a right of refusal with your mouth. Not only should you be speaking in alignment with the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, speaking in alignment with values, speaking in alignment with God's Word, but you also have the right to refuse to say anything that does not agree with the Word of God. You have a right of refusal. You could say this, I will not agree with my words, that which does not resonate in my heart. I will not go along to get along. I will not nod and laugh just because everyone else is doing it. Now, I've got the right of refusal. Why? Because my words are powerful. When I agree, when I affirm, when I commend, that matters. So I won't give it out lightly. I won't speak lightly, and I won't agree lightly. I'll only agree with something that I agree in my heart. Because the reality is the enemy wants to get you to just be agreeable. And if you can be agreeable to everything, you can be tricked by anything, brought low into anything. No, no, your, your words are, they're very powerful, and your words of agreement are powerful. So you have the right to withhold your agreement, to withhold it from culture, to withhold it from the enemy, to withhold it even from some thoughts that come in that want you, that want to be turned in, in verbalized. No, I'm not, I'm not going to agree. I, I know some people <laughs> where they say something and say, you know what? I didn't even mean to say that. I remove my agreement from what I just said. What are they doing? They're allowing their words to be refined and re redeemed by God. And if that happens, I believe this, that God can begin to build a good life, a good home, a good community through your words. Don't forget, in the beginning, God spoke. The people of God must have mouths that are dedicated to truth and to righteousness. It's the hour for godly voices, courage, conviction, and truth. After Isaiah's mouth is refined, God says, I'm looking for someone to send to my people. And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. You see, it's only after his words were refined that God can use him to be a messenger for truth. We want to go through that process as well because we want to be used by God because our culture, society, our nation all around us, they need truth now more than they have in the past hundred years. They need truth and they need people of truth. 
that will stand, that will speak. So we, we tell God in this moment, Lord, you can refine us, redeem us, but God, please use us. And I believe that the awakening will be brought by the Spirit of God, expressed through the people of God for the glory of God. Amen? Today, we rededicate our words to God's word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Awakening. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.